Good evening, Queen Anne's County. Uh, thank you for joining us for this episode of Ask a Commissioner. I'm joined by Commissioner Jim Moran and our Chief Health Officer, Dr. Ciatola. We'll be uh, moderated by Bruce Grove. Uh, we have received some questions that have come in by email in advance of this Ask a Commissioner, and we have a whole team that is monitoring social media uh, for other questions that are going to be imposted. Uh, I, we anticipate that a lot of these questions will be related to COVID and how the county is handling that. But if you have other questions that are non-COVID related, please feel free to ask those um, as well. And with that, oh, I, and I should point out that we, we, we do have our masks. We have taken them off so you can hear us, uh, and we are all sitting at least uh, six feet apart, um, just so you're not concerned about me contaminating Commissioner Moran. <laughs> All righty. All right, Bruce. Ready to rock? Well, thank you, commissioners, and thank you, Dr. Ciatola, for joining us. And again, we want to reiterate, please ask your questions, bring them in, because now's your time. A lot of people have been saying we want to communicate. Well, we're here to communicate, so start putting them in, and we'll take care of them. And we're going to get rolling. Let's just get right to it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I kind of feel like I'm in a courtroom <laughs> with you right now. All right, our first question. Dr. Ciatola, you were quoted in the Star Democrat as saying, the next two weeks is probably the beginning of our surge. Could you tell us what that means? Looking at the projections that have come through both the hospital system as well as the Maryland Department of Health, we've been able with social distancing and the efforts put forward up to this point in time to try and flatten the curve. But as we have been doing more testing we are seeing an increase in the number of positive COVID cases as we had expected. The reason we did not see a lot in the beginning, we had very limited testing capability or reporting, but now that we're doing more testing specifically at Chesapeake College, as well as other locations, especially on the Western shore, because as you know, a lot of our individuals that live here work on the Western shore. To date, as of this evening or this afternoon, we now have 34 confirmed COVID-19 cases. We took a jump from 19, where we were plateauing for several days last week, to 34 over the weekend. And there are some significant areas where we have higher numbers in specific zip codes. The rule from the Department of Health, both from a state COMAR, as well as HIPAA, we're allowed to report a zip code that has seven or more confirmed cases. Right now, we have one zip code that has that number, and that zip code is Centerville. All right. I know you, you, you covered it. We're going to come back around to that question again later. But before we get there, we have a question for the commissioners. Commissioners, how are you preparing for a potential Queen Anne's County increase in numbers? We start? Absolutely. So uh, a lot of the way we're preparing is how we've already prepared. Setting up the test facility at Chesapeake College, uh, getting the message out there about social distancing, uh, monitoring our public areas, making sure that um, the, the parks, the playground equipment is closed off, trying to keep instances where the public is going to be together to a minimum, um, and as well as uh, weekly calls with the Emergency Operations Command, calls with the state, uh, relying heavily on Dr. Ciatola's expertise um, and monitoring how the numbers are coming through. The numbers are going up, and we expected that the numbers are going to go up. Um, th they will go up some more. So when you see a number go up, um, treat it cautiously, but don't let it get 
you too anxious about it. We know that's going to happen. That's that's part of what was being predicted. Jim? And, and, and I guess what, what I'll add to that is, you know, <clears throat> yes, it's inevitable that the numbers will go up. Uh, we're trying to flatten that curve as we speak. But it's not so much the numbers that go up, it's the numbers hospitalized, I think, is, is a, a fair uh, litmus test because, you know, that's what this is all about is, is how many people actually have to be admitted to hospital, how many people need intensive care, uh, the ventilators. And correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Ciotola, but right now what we're being told by the state and by the hospital is that they, they feel they have a good handle on it as things are right now. I think that's very correct and that the hospital, we've had multiple meetings with the hospital staff as well as the local agencies in the five midshore jurisdictions about what kind of surge were we expecting? What could we really look for and how could we address the increase in cases? And realistically, we looked at Chesapeake College as an alternate care site. Chesapeake College is prepared. Army Corps of Engineers came in and did an assessment. And with the numbers that are projected for the midshore, as far as surge capacity to the hospital system, right now, if we keep that number under 60 or 62, then we are truly flattening that curve. And right now, the hospital system feels that they can deal with any increase in need for hospital beds and ICU beds and ventilators with the capacity that they have in their current facilities. We are putting Chesapeake College as an alternate care site on hold, but it will be able to be brought up to speed if need be. I believe they told us a two-and-a-half to three-week time frame. I think the most important thing is to look at the number of patients of the positives that we have of 34. There have been two patients of the 34 that have been hospitalized. Both of those people are back home. And when you look at deaths, now the state is reporting that we have two deaths. But after further investigation, the first death was reported in Queen Anne, and I think everybody saw the obituary of this lady who had lived in Maine and Queen Anne for a long time. Unfortunately, her COVID-19 test was reported to the assisted living facility and rehab center that she was in was that it was positive. But in reality, it was a negative COVID-19 test. The second death that was attributed to a resident of Queen Anne County. And you will be seeing probably a press release tonight coming from the Kent County Health Department. This individual had been in a long-term care facility in Chestertown for f almost four and a half years. And unfortunately, they have a significant increased outbreak there. So she expired because of respiratory failure in Chestertown Hospital last week. But she does maintain a residence in Queen Anne County. So that was the, they go to the area of residence, but this lady had not lived there for four and a half years. She had been in a long-term care facility. So as far as we know, nobody who was actually living in the county contracted uh, COVID and expired. 
And to that point, you know, I, I want to say one last thing that <clears throat> Queen Anne's County is very fortunate to have Dr. Ciotola. And, you know, I'm going to toot his horn a little bit because, you know, w- what he's talking about for the surge beds, you know, was planned to be at Chesapeake College, uh, 50 to 100 beds. Uh, Dr. Ciotola was, was leading that group, uh, organizing this. And it's, it's a five-county midshore surge uh, location that was going to be set up at Chesapeake College under Dr. Ciotola's uh, care. So I just think that, you know, one, that it bodes well for Queen Anne's County uh, with, with our leadership here, but also the fact that the hospitals have stepped up and the state has set, stepped up, and at this time, they, at this time, and we're being cautious with that, they don't feel that we need that additional space. So, you know, we're doing what we need to do on the Eastern Shore, and, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for clearing that up. I know a lot of people did have questions about that. And that's actually going to take us into our next question. So we have two ways of, uh, of getting some information. If you want to check the state, you can go to coronavirus.maryland.gov, and that will give you state numbers. But you can also go to qac.org to get our local numbers. But there's been some discrepancy between those two numbers, and you know, not just the deaths, but maybe the reporting. Could we explain why there's a discrepancy between the numbers on the pages from day to day, or is it just a timing issue of when they're updated? The actual number of confirmed cases is a timing issue. We report on a daily basis at the end of the day what we have confirmed through the NED system, which is the state reporting system from the labs. And that number will have some degree of delay for state statistics but we get it as it pops up from the lab as a positive or negative. So to me, our numbers are more current and accurate as a timely manner. The state may be delayed to a period of time. I believe the state map is showing us with like 24, and in reality, we're at 34. As far as the deaths, we've had quite a discussion with the vital statistics division chief at MDH and the state about how the death certificate is filed. And depending upon how the family wants the death certificate identified as residents will affect how it is identified on the state as to the location of the death. But I think when an individual has been living outside of the county for four years or more, that I think that it's unrealistic to assume that that individual contracted COVID in Queen Anne County or the the jurisdiction where she was not residing. I hope that answers the questions. Yeah, Bruce, if I want to add something on with the the state statistics in the county's website, um, and I know there are a lot of people who are checking these every day. They go to the state website at 10 a.m., they go to the county website when we update, and what I would caution a lot of people to do is don't check that every day. It's whether we go up one or two or three, you should be doing the same thing that you're doing now. Wear your mask when you're out in your public, uh, social distancing, washing your hands, exercising caution, um, behave as if the person who is positive lives down the street from you. Just use that type of caution. But don't um, have this sort of um, compulsion to check these statistics every day. It's anxiety-inducing for many people. It's not a good mental health thing to be doing that. We're going to be in this for a while, and those statistics are going to be updating for a while. Um, do yourself a favor. Give yourself a mental break from you know the Facebook posting about 
the latest COVID update. And one other thing, just just when it comes to testing, which a lot of the public may or may not know this, is if if we take a a sample, a a swab, at the Queen Anne's County Emergency Room, uh, or if we take it at the college, uh, and Dr. Ciotola can correct me if I'm wrong here, it takes anywhere from three to five to six days for us to get those results back. So even though that jump occurred uh, or those larger numbers have come back, it wasn't because of somebody they tested yesterday or the day before. It was somebody they tested last week. And that's one of the problems that we have uh, here on the Eastern Shore is the lack of uh, a, a facility that can take these samples, test them, and turn them around very quickly. So, you know, that's that's I think they're writing the book on this next time around. That'll be something that'll be definitely be changed. Yeah, because initially when we were doing the original testing, it was taking seven to ten days to get a lab result. Mm. Having been an orthopedic surgeon for 30 years, you see a broken bone, you're going to wait five days to see what the x-ray shows? Right. I mean, this has been our problem right. in that we've not had an expeditious way to identify those individuals who have this disease and be able to report it in a timely fashion so we're always behind the curve. Now, thankfully, it has improved to about a three- to four-day turnaround, which is encouraging. But being a physician, I'd like to know right then and there what we have. And right now, at this current state, we don't have that. Right. So we've gotten a couple of questions about this. We're going to try to group them together just to make it a little bit easier. I know you've already touched on zip codes, and but we want to know how come we don't have all the zip codes appear on the state site regarding positive cases? Well, I know on the state site, if you go on, it looks like 21617 has a certain amount of cases. All the zip codes around us, it appears like it's zero. Is there a reason for that? The reason being is the number seven. Realistically, we have community widespread community involvement in Queen Anne County. In, in I think we have, what, 14 zip codes? It's a good one. That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, realistically, because some of ours are split. Mm-hmm. I know that Millington is, and I think part of Barclay is. But to those zip codes, we have confirmed cases in nine of the 14. Right. And, and keep in mind, with some of those zip codes, we may have one zip code that has yeah. 110 people that live there. So yeah, and you've got the person across case. the street could be a different and, zip code. And you've got one or two cases. So that's why the state goes by the number seven. Seven and above, they will report. So seven and above, it gets put on the map. And if you don't have anything on the map, it's just because there haven't been seven recorded confirmed cases. It just doesn't mean that there's not COVID-19. Right. And, and just remember, the zip codes, that's just an artificial geographic boundary, right? So that doesn't mean that one zip code is safer than the other. And, and in Queen Anne's County, you know, we're, we're going to be going in and out of different zip codes all day long, right? So we can go shopping in one zip code. We get gas in another zip code. We may use the ATM and another one. Um, so if a person tests positive, they live in Chester, that doesn't mean that they weren't in Stevensville or Graysonville. So, you know, be cautious, but don't, don't put a lot on, you know, the, the zip code. That's, that's not the key information is that, as Dr. Sidhole said, it's countywide. It's everywhere in the county. Be cautious everywhere in the county. Okay, okay we're, uh, we're going to get into some of the Facebook comments and questions now. 
this is just a testament that not everything has to be about COVID-19 tonight. You can ask any question you'd like. So uh, Robert Hardy had asked, when will Commerce and Liberty Streets be paved? Well, uh, 213 is a state road, uh, north and south, Commerce and Liberty, and it's the town of Centerville's project. So honestly, uh, Mr. Hardy, we, we're not sure. We were told this year, but as to when, we tried to research that quickly before we came on the air, but we could not find that answer. So I, I'd ask to notify the town council in Centerville. And you can always enjoy uh, their live meetings now on QAC TV. Absolutely. So there's a little yes. plug for them. Yes. Okay, our next question is from Bonnie Brady. She would like to know, what can victims of domestic violence do during this stay-at-home period? Okay, so if, uh, and there has been, you know, concern about is there going to be uptick in domestic violence if people are stuck at home and if they're already in a bad situation. If you are in danger and your health is in danger, do not hesitate to call 911. That is still um, there for you, um, and the Sheriff's Department can respond to assist you. Um, if it's not an imminent thing, reach out to Midshore Council on Family Violence, uh, and their number is 800 927 Four six seven three, and they can help you with the resources that you would need. All right. All right. We have uh, two from Josephina. The first is of the twenty-seven to date of the tested. Obviously, that has gone up now since she got the information. Of the twenty-seven to date tested positive cases in Queen Anne's, can you provide their zip codes of where they're located? I have provided where they have more than seven tonight, and that's all technically I'm allowed to do. And I guess, is, is there any elaboration on, on what that is? Like, what are the rules or who passes the rules down of what can be reported? Some of that is coming from the attorney generals for the Department of Health, the AGs, as well as COMAR, as to the identification of someone who has, essentially, a contagious disease. We do the same thing with gonorrhea and syphilis. It is done by numbers in certain zip codes, depending upon how the number is reported in the state stats. I'm sure there may be a follow-up to this, so I'll just put it out there. There are some counties that are reporting it. Do we know why that's happening? I think there's been a lot of discussion with the AGs about that, and the state has decided to take this approach, and that's the approach that all jurisdictions are supposed to be following. Great. Thank you. And Bruce, uh, before we go any further, sure. in modern technology. This just in. This just in. Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> the, the Liberty and Commerce Street will be completed by June 30th. The milling and paving will be complete by June 30th. Right. So there you go, Bob Hardy. There you go. <laughs> All right, our second question from Josephina. Will you implement staging plans for businesses to open? per se, all masks, one-way traffic of aisles, six-feet markers with tape on the floor, a limited number of customers in stores, et cetera? You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Why don't you hit that one first? Well, I mean, yeah. short answer would that be is going to be yes, but it's going to come from direction from the governor's office. Uh, we cannot supersede the governor's office, uh, and also Dr. Ciatola is right now in charge of the entire county. So, you know, one, we have some plans, some things that we're asking for now, and I guess I'll go right to it. We sent a letter today to the governor's office asking him to uh, see if he could release recreational boating because I sleep next to my wife, but I can't go out on my boat next to my wife. It doesn't really make sense, you know, keeping the numbers down. I understand charter boats and everything else, but 
recreational boating for Queen Anne's County citizens, horseback riding, and golf. I mean, golf is, is no different than, than recreational boating. You've got you know, one or two persons in a cart, and you're separated. And when you, when you go into the clubhouse, you can put the lines down, keep everybody six feet away. You know, the social distancing still has to be followed. So that's a letter we sent today asking for those three uh, activities to be released. And then moving forward, we're waiting to see for some guidance from the governor's office, which he's coming out, I believe, this week with another uh, – he's going to come out with a press conference this week to talk about? I believe he will. Yeah, we'll uh, uh, talk about what his plan is moving Maryland forward to put everybody back to work. But, again, that, you know, the governor's office in conjunction with Dr. Ciotola and the commissioners, and as soon as we can get people back to work, we are all for that. And we are talking with local businesses to find out what their ideas are of what they think they can do <clears throat> to operate their businesses um, and still maintain um, the, the social distancing, but to get them back and getting that information and then feeding that back to the governor's office. Of, Here's some proposals that we think something that can happen. Uh, the next question is from Michael. Can the county purchase the Avid Fast Test machine and do their own testing? Anything is possible with three votes. Uh, you know, we, we briefly discussed that. The testing has always been a major issue for turnaround time. Uh, it's something that I guess we could look into to see what the machine costs, and, but you have to be certified through the state. Uh, right. So. It has to be a certified, reliable test by the Department of Health. And until that point in time, we really, and those tests are just starting to become available on a very, very limited basis. Okay. Our next one is from Claire. She would like to know, uh, Commissioners and Dr. Ciotola, why is it that four weeks into the pandemic we are finally having an opportunity to ask questions? We are in uncharted territory. I mean, let's be honest about this. Uh, you know, I, don't, I can't recall any other time in my life where I've lived through a pandemic uh, you know, some people equate this to the 9-11 situation and how the world changed, and that's where we are now. So, I mean, I, I think the public, uh, and that's everywhere, doesn't realize what goes on in our command centers, what goes on in the, in the, the massive amounts of, of, uh, of phone conversations and, and, uh, and meetings that go on just for giving information, disseminating that information, so, you know, it, it, it sometimes it's better, to, and I hate to say this, to give no information if you're not 100% sure of that information because that just is going to spark all kinds of rumors. Uh, you know, so I think part of it was we wanted to be cautious, uh, and part of it is we've given out a great deal of information, but when you give out one piece of information, it makes somebody think about another piece and then ask the question. So, you know, we are doing everything we humanly can, and I think in Queen Anne's County we're doing a great job of that. Do you want to add anything, Chris? Yeah, I mean, and it's not that we haven't answered any questions. I mean, if if people have been emailing and calling, we field the calls. We'll give the information that we have. We don't have all the answers. Right. As, as Jim pointed yeah. out, this is new, um, and we are doing our best to adapt in the situation and learn a lot. Um, a lot of it comes down to um, medical health care issues, and, and we rely on Dr. C and the, and the command staff um, who are doing an amazing job of taking care of the county. Um, and so we don't want to speak too soon just to give you an answer 
but we haven't educated ourselves on it. So we have been working on educating ourselves more on what's going on, not just in the county, but in the state and nationwide. Um, and uh, we, you know, as this goes on, we'll probably have more of these uh, Ask a Commissioner segments, and we'll drag Dr. C in here for those as well. <laughs> I know this is the first time we're doing it like this, questions and answers. Right. But I would like to tell everyone, please go to our Facebook pages, the Queens County Government Facebook page, the Department of Health uh, Facebook page. There are a lot of answers that maybe people haven't seen, lots of press releases that you guys are putting out. Right. So maybe those could answer your questions before we even get to this point next time. Uh, next, from Robert, how is the county enforcing the mask requirement inside essential businesses? The mask requirement? Yeah. What I've noticed is that most businesses themselves are enforcing this. Um, I've been to a couple locations where people have walked in without a mask and the, the clerk has told them, you got to leave, you got to put a mask on, you got to come in. Um, we can't possibly have a sheriff's deputy at every store to police whether or not somebody has a mask on. Uh, so, you know, we're asking all the public that we're hoping that they are going to be following the governor's directives to have a mask on. Um, we know that the people who own the businesses are also going to be enforcing it because they're concerned about their own health and their employees' health as well. So far, I think we have a fairly good compliance rate. It's not 100%, um, but it's getting better. Um, just today, on the way here, stopping at a store on the way, a uh, lot more people wearing masks than what you would have seen a few days ago. So I, I think it's getting better. But as far as policing it, having a sheriff's deputy at each store, that's, we're not, we can't do that. Mm -hmm. We don't have the manpower. Okay. Uh, question from Carolyn. Can someone explain why $10,000 was donated to CBEC, the Chesapeake Bay Environmental Center, when some other nonprofits that are serving during this COVID crisis could put it to better use? Well, I'll answer that question. Uh, if she has a, uh, uh, Carolyn has a nonprofit that can do something miraculous with, with money, please let us know. Because, I mean, right now, I mean, uh, all of our nonprofits are suffering. All of our churches, places of worship are suffering. So, you know, when it comes to that, last year, and I had a report pulled up, uh, the FY20 budget, we had $423,000 went out to nonprofit organizations. And all of them are vital to Queen Anne's County. I mean, you have everything from CASA, Midsure, Cats and Dogs, Crossroads Community, Daycare, Canard uh, Alumni, the Judy Center. I mean, you name it, we have it. But what we're facing right now, okay, uh, is a need to feed Queen Anne's County residents. So, and, and you're going to see this a lot more coming up in the next two weeks with the amount of food that we're bringing, purchasing and bringing out there. So... You know, in, in the last two weeks, we've given the backpack program, which I started that program four years ago, the funding of it, not the actual worker, but the funding of it from the county, which is $25,000 a year. We gave them an additional $10,000, and, and it looks like they might need more because of the amount of people that they're feeding. We also gave Haven Ministries $10,000 for their work, and last week alone, we got a report from them uh, that they're up well over 130 additional families coming for food. So, you know, you know these, these nonprofits are serving a, a purpose in Queen Anne's County, and we want them to continue. And when it comes to Chesapeake Bay Environmental Center, there is no other location on, in Maryland or Delaware where an organization takes so much pride in stewardship of, of our waterways and our Chesapeake Bay as they do. And I think that's vital 
to Queen Anne's County. They have over 15 or 1,600 kids go through there every year as part of their programs, and that absence has put a financial uh, strain on their organization. And without that organization, where do we have these kids go and learn about how to be good stewards of, of the Chesapeake Bay? So, you know, that $10,000 isn't going to break Queen Anne's County, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, but, you know, I, it was my idea, and I take full responsibility for it. And, and other organizations are getting money. So the, the question, um, I think maybe that if you look at last commissioner's meeting, you will see that we also voted for Haven Ministries to have additional money. There's additional funding that's put out for the groups that are actually the boots on the ground helping the citizens right now. Um, they're reaching out to us, and, and we are helping them. But look, as this goes on, there will be a lot of difficult decisions that we have to make on funding of nonprofits and other organizations, um, and it's not going to seem fair sometimes because this is not a fair situation. Nothing about this is fair. What's going on with our businesses, with our citizens, what our kids are having to do, go through learning from home. Uh, so none, none of it's fair. And we're doing our best to try to see that as much of this county comes out of this intact as, as what was there before we went into it. And, you know, just to go back to Haven Ministries, I, I just found this as part of the paperwork here. Uh, you know, last Friday they served 355 people at the two locations that they handed out food. And those 355 people took enough food to feed over 1,100 people, 419 children, 585 adults, and 113 seniors. And to put that into perspective, they normally feed 157. So they are more than doubled in in the ass that's coming to them, and that's going to be something that increases. So that's something that, you know, as as a county, you know, safety is first and foremost. And you've got to feed the people. And let me make one more pitch on that. So if you're watching this and you have the resources to donate to some of these organizations in addition, please do that. Uh, the faith-based organizations that are helping out the community citizens, they need your money. They're not passing around a hat right now because nobody's there. It's very important that these organizations get the funding they need to continue to serve the people. Yeah. So reach out to you guys if anyone needs help. Absolutely. But I would also like to say uh, we got to film the backpack program and some of the food going around the county, and they're doing great things. And if you are an organization that's doing great things, feel free to reach out to QAC TV because we'd like to highlight you as well. Next we have Marissa. She would like to know how many cases are in Centerville. Maybe she uh, joined us a little bit later. I know we had talked about earlier. But could we maybe get an update on the county one more time on how many is in the county? There are 34 confirmed cases in the county right now, and Centerville has gone above the level of seven. Okay? They're sitting at 10 cases right now. Thank you. Uh, Sharon doesn't have a question, but she would like to say thank you for all of your hard work. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you. All right, the next one comes from an anonymous. Is it safe to think that outside events will be safe to plan by the end of the month, say, like moderate family gatherings? I would we say. We want to defer that to our health officer. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, if I had a crystal ball, and the fact that we've been into this now since the probably end of February, yeah. mm-hmm. it's tough to say where we're going to be in May. And I hope. By the middle of May, I can finally get to visit my grandchildren, who I haven't seen since the middle of February. So I would hope that we could all start having some family gatherings with still utilizing appropriate social distancing, hopefully by Mother's Day. 
I hope. That would be a wonderful treat for all mothers. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. Okay, uh, uh, Sharon again. Now she has a question. It might be a different Sharon. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Why is QAC a hot spot with such low deaths and cases? Hot spot. That was the infamous statement made by the governor one day. Well, what it really means is that we are a high-priority area because of our close association to not only Baltimore but the national capital, Annapolis. We are part of the what they call the national capital region, and Queen Anne has been part of that I know of ever since I've been health officer for the last eight years. I know for at least 10 years, Queen Anne County receives a significant amount of funding from the federal government, specifically because of our proximity and ability to respond to issues and events in the national capital region. In a way, being designated that quote-unquote hotspot, I would have called it more a priority area, allows us to get federal funding and response for times of emergency, either weather or national, whereas in this case, pandemic. And that's one of the values that we were utilizing when we were setting up and planning for the alternate care site at Chesapeake College. And also, you know, we, we, uh, we being Queen Anne's County, uh, and really from the 5301 split towards the Bay Bridge, uh, the densities are there, so we also belong to the Baltimore Metropolitan Council. And that both the Baltimore Metropolitan Council and the Washington Metropolitan Council pulled together are pretty much almost every county that he uh, named as a hotspot. So it does, it helps us with getting the, what we need and resources, so it's, it's a good thing. All right, Mark has a question. From your communication with state officials, do you foresee the state allowing a different timeline for the Eastern Shore? I would say that that's what the governor is looking at, and I think certainly our legislative representation is looking at how do you stage a reduction in the restrictions in the more rural counties where you don't have the density that you have in that western 95 corridor. The issue is if you relax those issues in a rural community, how do you prevent other individuals who are citizens of the state of Maryland from transiting into those areas for events or just coming out to eat dinner. So that's a question that everybody's going to wrestle with. I think that they're certainly in the process of looking where we need to be to start relaxing some of these rather stringent controls over movement, period. But right now, as a physician, as your health officer, you really need to be vigilant because, as I said to you on that TV interview, you are the front line. You, the citizens, are the front line to stopping the advance of this virus. You think of your health care workers, your hospitals, your EMS. We're the backup. We're the last line of defense. But the citizens of Queen Anne County are the frontline troops. And you can stop this more than we can. So to piggyback on that, uh, the short answer is yes, I do believe that the Eastern Shore as a whole could be brought on the line uh, in staging 
quicker than the Western Shore. And I believe we can check it, and there, there are things that we can do to facilitate that. But, again, they have to be done safely. They have to be done with the social distancing, and they have to be done in layers. Uh, so, you know, as you saw, the, the, we talked about earlier, the letter we sent asking for those things to be opened up, you know, the boating, the horseback riding, and the golf. Uh, to me, next would be some of the, you know, businesses, for instance, to say they have less than five or ten employees, allowing them to go back to work. You know, if, if you live in Queen Anne's County, if you live on the Eastern Shore and you work on the Eastern Shore, maybe we start to bring those businesses back first, you know. And then it goes to, well, if, if for instance, those are, are considered uh, high priorities that have been working all through this and they've been crossing that bridge every day, you allow them to do the same. But if you live on the Western Shore and you work on the Eastern Shore, no, we're not, we're not there. We're not, we're not there and we're not going to be there for a while. But when it comes to our restaurants, and bars are a whole nother animal. So bars, to me, have got to be the last thing that you want because that's just highly concentrated. But our restaurants, as Commissioner Corcorino stated, you could remove half the tables, do social distancing there, and you can, you know, we check. For somebody comes in to buy a drink, we check them with an ID. You know, if the governor comes out and says, look, at you know, in the Eastern Shore, we're going to allow the hospitality industry being restaurants to open up on a limited span, no more than 50, and I'm just throwing numbers out, no more than 50 um, guests that can come in, uh, patrons, and you have to have the social distancing and check the IDs. I mean, if you don't live on the shore, don't go to the shore until they have a better handle on this. So there's, there is some things, and, and they're all being milled over, and, and, but they have to be done safely, and, and we all agree upon that. Okay. Julie would like to know, if we are aware of a positive C-19 case and the essential business is not taking safety measures for the employees, what can, who can we go to? You can call the health department on that. I really can. If, if, so is, you can call the health department line, the nurse line, and then give us that information, and we will evaluate that situation for both the safety of the public as well as the employees of that business. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Marissa would like to know, where can we get tested? Is there a new procedure? Well, right now, the most prominent testing site from the Bay Bridge to Salisbury is Chesapeake College. And we're testing from 10 to 2, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You have to have a request, a lab request, from your primary care provider because we don't want someone to think that this is just open, generalized testing. This is for those individuals that are showing signs and symptoms of COVID-19. So what I would suggest and recommend, if you feel that you are symptomatic, notify your primary care and let them evaluate you. They may do it telephonically with Facebook or Skype, but that's how the process starts. And you can certainly come in and get tested once the appointment is made through the health department and your primary care provider. Okay. Natalie would like to know, who decides when to pay hazard pay to so many essential workers that are risking their health for us? And she didn't say this, but she probably meant, and also TV. <laughs> who decides? The commissioners decide. For the county employees. For the county yeah. employees, yes, correct. Vivian would like to know, what meetings have been held and passed with the Narrows, and why are we not seeing this? With the Narrows? Right. Vivian, please. Do we, do we need a little more elaboration? Question. Please do. I, I'm not sure what, what you're asking us there. 
All right, so Vivian, please, a little bit more elaboration. We'll come right back to your question. Michelle would like to know, Caroline County has a, well, we've talked about this, but maybe we can just reiterate quickly. Caroline County has a breakdown by zip code for the whole county. Why can't Queen Anne's? Is Caroline that much more advanced? <laughs> I won't talk about advanced or not advanced, but we are following the guidance from the AGs in the Maryland Department of Health. It is policy, and that's the policy that uh, the commissioner's support and Dr. Ciotola in, in, in how we report this. And again, COVID is everywhere. You have to think of it as being everywhere and, and don't get hung up on just those numbers. All right. Uh, Jeff would like to know, how is the county budget process going? We don't start the, 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 the budget process until next Tuesday. Is that correct, Todd? Next Tuesday. So we have pushed it back a month just to see where this was going to take us. Had we done our budget now and been, we would have been almost all the way through it and, and thinking about adopting it only to have Start to reevaluate everything that's going on uh, financially. So we are, we are holding off until next Tuesday, get some better figures from the comptroller's office, and uh, we'll move forward with the process then. And when we have budget hearings, I know it's worth, uh, worth saying too, we'll still be streaming them. You'll still be doing them, and people will still Absolutely. be allowed to make public comment. Mm -hmm. So, if, And we're doing it a little different, and we'll get into that at a later time. Mm -hmm. Vivian would like to know, why is construction in neighborhoods still working and building homes? The governor has not uh, uh, banned uh, construction. So, I mean, when it's an outdoor event, uh, they are, uh, and I, I'm in construction, you know, you know, I'd say 95% of the time they're, there's social distancing. Uh, every now and then they might have to pick something up and take two people, but it's, that's not one of those that's uh, considered banned. Okay. Uh, do we have a plan for reopening and or a plan if this is a recurrence next year? Well, the reopening, I think we've, we've covered that that's pretty that, much, right. uh, sure. you know, with what we're, we're trying to do and what we're, we're hoping the governor will, will come out in his next press conference and talk about how he plans to reopen the state. As far as a plan for next year, if this is reoccurring, uh, we're all hoping that it doesn't reoccur in this severity. Uh, but at this present time, there is no new plan to handle this any differently than what we are now. Uh, it just depends on how it comes back in the severity if everything gets shut down and, yet and again. And making sure that we're getting that we advance start on any uh, protective equipment that we need, the masks, that kind of stuff so that if it does happen again, right. you know, we're ready for it. that, that we're doing. But um, a lot of it is we're learning as we go with some of this because right. we got to see how this COVID, how, how it progresses and how the numbers are being managed. And maybe we could talk about the letter one more time because we have a question. Can we uh, open the Blue Heron golf course up? We are trying. <laughs> we, have sent, we have sent a letter that refers to both, you know, all the golf courses in, in Queen Anne's County. Uh, and, you know, that, that letter has just gone out uh, this afternoon, and, and hopefully we can get some support uh, from the governor's office to, to allow that, but we'll see. A question from Claire. Should we expect some businesses to start closing permanently? If so, what is Queen Anne's County going to do to keep these closed businesses open? That is the $2 question. Yeah, I think, um, unfortunately, there will be some businesses that will not survive this. Um, you know, when you're shut down for such a long period of time, certain businesses, they, they can't 
operate off of 50 or 60 percent of their client base. They, they need to hit certain margins. And without that, some of them are going, to, are going to go out of business. That's why we're pushing to see what can be done to try to get some of those business reopened, at least you know, to help them carry on um, some degree of the business to stay afloat until they can get back up and running. But I think, unfortunately, we are going to see some businesses that are going to be impacted. And uh, to add on to that also, please go to the Queen Anne's County Economic Development site mm-hmm. and please go to the Chamber of Commerce site. There's so many programs. They're helping the businesses in the county. And we've actually made videos with them, too. So there's lots of programs going on. So check out those uh, Facebook and those websites also. Uh, do we have percentages on the survival rate once they've declined to a point of being incubated and needing a ventilator? The percentage of individuals that actually need to be on a ventilator is less than 5% of the total number of infected patients. And with the fact that at this point in time, maybe 15 to 20% of the individuals who are infected require hospitalization, but the majority, 80%, do not require hospitalization and will be able to manage this virus by staying home, staying hydrated, taking Tylenol for an antipyretic or lowering temperature. But it, it runs its course in about a 10 to 14 day window. It does knock you out, it, it takes your energy away, it leaves you with significant degree of fatigue. And as we're finding, there's very subtle signs A lot of patients have reported a loss of smell, loss of taste. Some of the patients are complaining of mild neurologic symptomatology with kind of an ataxic or unsteady gait for a while. So there's a variety of syndromes that are associated with this virus. And the more we see of this virus, I think the more we will learn. And I think Commissioner Moran was very correct in saying we're writing the book on this virus because we've never seen anything like it. When do you see testing becoming available for anyone and everyone? Well, the fact that the governor just got 500,000 test viral mediums from South Korea, hopefully we'll see at least 100,000 of those over here so that we can start doing the Eastern Shore the way it should be done. Because at this point in time, we've run at Chesapeake College on essentially, I would say, 400, about 440 test kits. And that's what's been running since we started that. But with 100,000 test kits over here, we could probably test the majority of the Eastern Shore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just, just let's elaborate on that a little bit, because what's the purpose of, of testing the entire Eastern Shore if, Eighty-five thousand of those tests are people that don't aren't showing any symptoms. Well, and I think it shows what this virus is doing. Correct. And that's and a lot of the asymptomatic individuals that have this virus are contagious, and they don't know that they're spreading it to their family, or to their fellow workers, or to a fellow citizen. So testing, and the key to this is going to be the antibody testing not necessarily the viral swabs to tell you that you have the presence of the virus, but the antibodies. The antibody 
percentage of those individuals who have been exposed to COVID-19 and develop appropriate antibodies, this is what will change the, the course of this virus, both now and in the future. Right. And you had briefly, or not briefly, but you just discussed the, the 500,000 tests coming. If you want more information on that, Governor Hogan, that was his press conference today. So go ahead and watch that, and you'll get more information on how we got uh, those tests. So in addition to that question, do you see testing becoming available at your doctor's office? I think as we develop the point-of-care testing, that will certainly probably be down the road, hopefully sooner than later, so that you can be tested in your just like you have a finger stick to see what your blood sugar is. There's nothing to say that we shouldn't be able at some point in time to be able to do an a point-of-care testing and get a rather rapid result, just like we do with a rapid strep test. So i, I got to believe that they'll have a vaccine before that happens because I don't know how right now you bring all your doctor's offices back online. Everybody is doing it through, you know, the the Internet, mm-hmm. you know, the, the videos through the Internet that they don't want the sick well, right now, in. Right now we're doing all the testing for the primary care. Right. So, I mean, they are referring them from all over the shore and even Annapolis. So most physician offices, as you said, they're not seeing really patients except through uh, telemedicine. Okay. Uh, Diana would like to know, are the staff at the health department now permitted to stay home after a positive? I'm guessing she's referring to if someone tests positive, are they allowed to stay home? If, If we have a positive individual in the health department, and this has occurred. One of our nurses tested positive from exposure. She was sent home. She was home for 14 days. She was monitored, and the entire building had to be decontaminated. The county brought in a commercial crew that essentially fogged the building, wiped down all the surfaces, and we essentially closed the health department for three days, and we were all working from a telemedicine component. We have limited the staff back into the building and the EOC, the Emergency Operations Center, is locked down on the second floor that only those individuals working in the EOC are allowed in that part of the building. So it is a critical issue. And I guess I would also like to add uh, health department testing and there's also plans in place for all county employees. So if someone were to test positive, we have strict regulations of what's oh, going to happen. Absolutely. absolutely. Heather would like to know, for our nursing home and assisted living residents, is there any new or updated requirements for staff at the facilities? We have been very diligent in conversations with the assisted living and our nursing home facilities, not only providing them PPE, personal protective equipment, both gowns, gloves, masks, face shields, and we are in constant contact with them. If they suspect an individual has symptomatology, we immediately test and send it to the state lab so that we can get a result back in 24 to 36 hours. All of those facilities have taken extreme precautions for both mask and limiting individuals coming into the buildings so that there are no visitation really in the nursing home at this point in time. For, for those uh, facilities, is testing on site for staff members out of the question? 
Not at all. Trisha Stokes would like to know, what are the chances of having a false negative on a test? Well, that's a question we'd all like to know. We're trying. <laughs> okay. The reliability of the nasopharyngeal test swab for the virus is approximately about a 70% reliability for, for accuracy. But it depends upon, one, the technique. Mm-hmm. Is the swab deep enough? Is it an appropriate material in the viral medium? And those are the things that we're learning as we go. If you don't make them gag, you got to go deeper. As someone said to us the other day, if you didn't feel your brain get tickled, they didn't go deep enough. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? Is, uh, okay. A comfortable test. Yes. yes. Uh, Barbara would like to know, if you have been at home with your family and no one is ill, are the chances you are asymptomatic high or low? The chances are if you're not having any symptoms at all, whether it be a headache, a low-grade fever, a sore throat, the chances are if there's no one in the household that has any type of symptomatology, chances are you're negative. Uh, this is just a comment from my crew over here. Hey, Chris, could you bring up Facebook uh, messages? Because we have a message from Sarah Smith that I can't seem to read. If you could help me out. Thank you. All right, next. Are the volunteer fire departments being decontaminated? Any unit that transports a PUI, a person under investigation or suspicion, all of those units, both the county units as well as the volunteers, have to go through a decontamination procedure that we have outlined for all EMS. Hillary would like to know, is there any new information on antibody testing in Maryland and Queens County for individuals who think they may have had COVID-19 and recovered? The antibody testing is really being done mainly by the University of Maryland and Hopkins in their virology labs. And there has been, as you know, a website set up for those individuals who have recovered from the COVID-19 because what they're looking at is to take the plasma of those individuals and be able to evaluate the presence of antibodies and use those in treatment of those severely affected individuals in the hospital. And that, that testing, I think, though, it's that program is those who were actually tested positive for COVID, not those who think they may have had it. No, right? they have to be a, a positive COVID test and have recovered from the disease. Okay, I guess this is this Sarah's. Thank you, Chris. If any positive cases are in Chester Harbor that has a Chestertown zip code, where are those counted under zip code for Quans County? We have that problem in Chestertown, and we really look to see where the address is to see if it's in Queen Anne County. Kent County does the same to verify. But realistically, folks, it's a number. We have it everywhere. All right. From Stephen, Kent Island is a wedding destination, and we are in the catering business, and 100% have been shut down. When will we be allowed to have private weddings and receptions on private estate again? That's a good question. I mean, that's a good question, and we can't answer that at this time, but I would say I wouldn't count on anything before May at the very earliest. So, you know, until we get further direction and we see where this is going, um, 
you know, for that, I, mean, I, I feel for them. I, I understand what they're saying, but uh, I would say probably mid-May, even later. But, you know, uh, that's something that has to be determined. Yeah. Okay. Well, commissioners, it's almost 6 o'clock. Yeah. We've run out of our questions. So we, have, we did good on time, but we have a couple minutes. Is there just any last-minute messages you'd like to get out to the community? Maybe we'll just go through the panel and just anything you'd like to say before we depart tonight. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I want to thank the community for um, following the social distance guidelines, um, thank the parents that are homeschooling their teachers, the teachers that are making sure they're getting lesson plans out, you know, the kids that are having to deal with uh, an unnatural um, experience for them. They're used to being with their friends, dancing, playing sports, and we, and we know how tough it is for them. Um, we know how tough it is for the business owners, the residents, for everybody. We want to get Queen Anne's County back up and running as soon as we can, but we want to do it safely. We want to find a way that we can, we can get people back to a new normal, um, but not in a way that's going to cause um, a public health crisis. So it, it's a very difficult balance, um, but we are working very hard to try to, to bring about a remedy for that. And, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, I, I've got the updated numbers that have filed for unemployment that are from Queen Anne's County, and it's 2,675 individuals are, are out of business. Our leisure and hospitality uh, for Queen Anne's County employs approximately 20% of all the employees in Queen Anne's County, and that number is probably the largest number. So, you know, this too shall pass, and I just hope that, that uh, our citizens keep the faith and know that when this does pass, and it is safe, that we get out there and, 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 and if at all possible, uh, shop local, keep keep your funds local, and see if you can you know take the time out to, to visit these establishments to help them recover from uh, from what's going on. And I just like to say thank you to Dr. Ciatola for all your hard work and, and and leadership. It's it's greatly appreciated. I'd like to thank the citizens, of Queen Anne County. As I said before, you're the front line, and I am extremely honored and proud to be your health officer because this community has stayed strong and has done what it needs to do to try and prevent our most vulnerable to be subject to a very, very dangerous disease. So thank you for what you have done. Thank you for continuing to do what you need to do to protect all of us. So thank you. Great. Uh, we had one final question come in. Can we take that before we leave? Sure. Okay. Uh, Julie, would, uh, Julie would like to know, if a Queens County business does have a positive case, is the business required to completely close and deep clean their buildings like the health department did? I think that it would have to depend upon the specifics of, number one, the business type. Number two, the amount of exposure, okay? But routinely, if a business has had a positive case in the area, we do require that they have it commercially desanitized and cleaned. Great. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for tonight. And Thank like you. we've said, we, we, we want to get out all the answers we can, so maybe we'll do another one of these down the line if need be. But you guys were great. Thank you for all your questions or your answers. To the public, thank you for all your questions and joining us tonight, and I hope everyone stays safe and healthy. Well, thank you and QAC-TV for, for uh, 
putting this on. And Beth is back there. Mike's over here. So all those behind the, the uh, behind the camera, we greatly appreciate it. And everybody, don't forget. That's right. We're yeah. done. That's right. Yeah, it's that time. Let's mask up and uh, let's go home. All right. All right. Thank, thank you, you, gentlemen. Thank you.